Welcome to Sound Prince Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound Prince is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushville. I'm your host for this week's magazine. Welcome to Sound Prince for the week of August 1, 2021. The Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will host its next roundabouts on Friday, August 6, and Friday, August 13, from 5 to 9 p.m. at United Crescent Hill Ministries. Details will be announced on the KCB email list, but we remind you that the August 13 roundabout will include bingo after dinner. The following events will be on the KCB Zoom line. Join from your computer, cell phone, or landline by calling 669-900-6833 and entering the code 862-9889-6972 or join through the Zoom link posted on our email list. The Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision invites everyone to its next board meeting on Tuesday, August 3 at 8 p.m. and its next telephone support group meeting on Wednesday, August 4 at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. The Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired in Owensboro will hold its next meeting on Tuesday, August 10. And the KCB Next Generation, the chapter for members under 40, will have its next meeting on Thursday, August 12 at 8 p.m. For more information on both activities, contact the Kentucky Council of the Blind at 502-895-4598. The GLCB August board meeting is scheduled for 11 a.m. on Saturday, August 14. The meeting is open and guests are welcome. For a complete calendar of events sponsored by KCB and its chapters, visit our website at www.kentucky-acb.org and follow the events link. The American Council of Blind Lions will hold its August meeting on Thursday, August 5 at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. The Zoom number is 841-2640-6158. The passcode, should you need it, is 818-279. The American Council of the Blind will hold a special membership meeting on August 14 at 8 p.m. and another meeting on August 15 at 4 p.m., both Eastern times, for the purpose of amending the ACB Constitution to provide for electronic voting at future ACB conventions. For more information, contact the KCB office at 502-895-4598. You will need your ACB ballot that was sent to you prior to the convention. If you have problems with your ballot or questions about the process, Contact the Minnesota office at 612-332-3242. The Guide Dog Users of Kentuckiana held a program on Monday, July 26, that shared information that our dogs would like us to know. Several people have asked us if we have a recording of the meeting. Thanks to Terry Turlow, Vice President of GDUKI, for providing sound prints with a recording of the presentation. Listen on page 2. At Roundabout this past week, we asked attendees to share their impressions of the recently concluded ACB convention. We thought listeners might enjoy the variety of events that our members highlighted from the convention. Check it out on page 3. Remember to call or email us with your comments, feedback, and suggestions. We always like to hear from our listeners. Call 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Page 2. Well, tonight we welcome Sarah Bevan. She is a good friend of ours. 
She's been Yay. doing workshops for us and talks for us probably for eight years, I think, eight or nine. And we're just really glad to have her, have you here tonight, Sarah. And she's going to, she holds a lot of special certificates. She teaches first aid for, for dogs and she knows she has a certificate in uh, canine nutrition. Uh, Sarah's done a workshop on massage for us. So uh, we just really enjoy these talks. Without any further ado, I'll turn it over to Sarah and welcome you and thank you for coming tonight. The purpose of our program tonight is entitled, What Your Dog Wants You to Know. And it's just kind of like a buffet of things that will help you to be a better dog mom or a better dog dad. And um, I've got a few things that were suggested that we'll be covering and otherwise they're just my ideas. If you have uh, questions, please don't hesitate to ask. So for starters, um, Hopefully, you're not going to have to have a dog emergency, but if you do, you need to have this information handy. The age of your dog, any kind of health history information that, um, you know, is the dog on any medication, does it have special dietary needs, um, anything like that. What the weight is, that's really important because veterinary care is based a lot on dog's weight. Um, for medication, in the case of uh, suspected poisoning, anything like that. And then you need to have the vaccination record. You also need to have contact information for your own vet. And you need to talk with your vet about what to do if there's an emergency after hours. Like uh, we've been at the emergency hospital at 2.30 in the morning. Um, things don't always happen at convenient hours. So what will you be able to do when there's an emergency? Check that out with your vet and see what they, what they uh, recommend. And then the poison control number and uh, the ASPCA poison control number is 1-888-426-4444. And if you're going to call that number, you need to have a credit card handy because they won't give you any information until you give them your credit card number. So just things to keep in the back of your head in case. Now, if you know what you're, what's normal for your dog, you'll be able to recognize any changes that would be abnormal and they might be indication of a problem. And the, easy, the faster you recognize those things, the more effective treatment plan you'll be able to develop with your vet. So I'm going to go over just a couple of vital signs that you can check on your dog on a regular basis and be able to pick up when things might uh, have changed slightly, hopefully not dramatically. But first of all, the dog's skull. The, best, the dog's heart is located on the left side of the chest where if you took the left front leg and bent it where the elbow touches the rib cage, but it's not too easy to feel a heartbeat because you've got fur and you've got skin and ribs and lungs. So the easiest way to find the pulse is to go to the hind leg. 
define the dog's knee, and then take your fingers and go all the way in to where the hind leg attaches to the body. There's not much fur there. You're going to feel the femoral artery, and you will be able to feel the pulse there. It's a good idea to practice this so you'll know exactly how to find it. Normal pulse for a medium to large-sized dog would be 60 to 100 beats per minute. Now, if the dog has done some sort of activity, it's going to be a little higher than that. But at rest, it should be in the 60 to 100 beats per minute area. Another thing that we want to be able to know what's normal is the breathing rate or respiration. That takes two functions to compose a breath. When a dog inhales, the chest expands, and when they exhale, the chest contracts. You need one inhale and one exhale to equal one breath. And what you do there is just lay your hand over the ribs, and you can feel the chest rising and falling, and you can count the number of breaths. For a medium to large-sized dog, you, your respiration rate will be in the 20 to 30 breaths per minute range. Uh, hydration is another thing that's important, for especially this time of year when the weather is hot and humid. You need to make sure that the dogs get plenty of, of water to help with um, hydrating their tissues and to keep them cool. So if you can just there's two ways to do this. One, you can just put your fingers on the gums. And if they feel kind of wet and sticky, that's a good sign. Another one is to grab the skin at the back of their neck. When you pull it up, it should feel kind of thick and kind of like dough. And if it has that feeling, then you release it and it kind of falls back into place. That's another good sign that the hydration is normal. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Another thing that is important to keep track of is your dog's weight. And a dog that is the proper weight, you should be able to feel their ribs. If you just rub your hand over their side, you should be able to feel the ribs. And then right below the ribs, you should feel... The, the weight, well, let's call it a waist, <laughs> just kind of nip in a little bit. And those are good indications that they have a proper weight. Generally speaking, dogs that uh, feel well and are in good health will wag their tail. They will go outside and have no difficulty with elimination for urine or feces. They'll shake off and that means, you know, how like a dog will shake off when they're all wet. They kind of go from head to tail, and it just kind of ripples down their body. They will bark. They'll sit and stand. They'll roll to their back, like to get their tummy rubbed. They'll look both ways, and they'll use their paws for playing, for digging, holding their food, or, you know, just to interact with other animals or with you. And they get along with others. So if you see those things, it's a general indication that your dog is feeling pretty well and things are going well. Now, a lot of times, since your dog is with you all the time, 
you're going to know the dog's behavior better than anybody. And um, you'll be able to notice a subtle change in their behavior or in their vital signs. You may not know what that is, but it might be cause for you to want to search out a veterinary opinion. There's a name for that. It's called ADR, and it means they ain't doing right. And until they have that visit and can maybe get some blood work done and a good physical, we don't really know what direction to go with their treatment. We just know that they're not feeling good for some reason. So you can get some help from your vet to figure out why they ain't doing right. So, excuse me. Some signs that would raise concern that you would notice with, with your dog. First of all, is there a change in their eating or drinking habits? If there's an increase, it could be a sign of parasites. Um, with an increase in drinking, it's a sign of uh, diabetes, thyroid problems, or Cushing's disease. And with that increase in drinking, you also notice an increase in urination. If you notice a decrease, especially with eating, they don't want to eat too much, that could be a sign of dental pain. Um, It could also be depression or an undiagnosed health condition that's just causing them to feel pretty lousy. An unexplained change in their weight, if the weight is increased, That could be a sign of hypothyroidism, which is low thyroid. It might be because of pain, um, which would also maybe cause a desire to not exercise and decreased activity. It could be a sign of constipation, parasites, or some other health condition. A decrease in their weight could possibly be due to kidney disease. Diabetes, now we have an increase in thyroidism um, or other health conditions. Those are just some of the main ones that I've given you, and it's more a visit with you that if your dog seems lethargic and you notice a change uh, of behavior of normally active dogs, that can be a sign of pain, especially in older dogs as they can develop some arthritis in their joints low thyroid, heart disease, anemia, or other illnesses. But I've given you the ones that are the most common. Uh, If you notice a change in bathroom habits, um, if a dog is constipated and it's left untreated, the condition can become life-threatening. Urinary tract infections, um, where they seem to want to go all the time, and there might be a, an odd smell to their urine. We fostered a little dog about a year ago, and she had a terrible urinary tract infection when we got her. And her urine smelled just like tuna. And so something that's that dramatic, you know you need to see to that. <clears throat> Excuse me. There can be some other signs, um, pardon me, other illnesses that can be indicated with changes in bathroom habits, a lot of dogs especially will get bladder stones, and that can cause a change to painful urination. Now, here's one that uh, I'm going to kind of go into a little more detail with. Unpleasant odors. They can come from the 
from the skin, ears, mouth, or um, other infectious infections in parts of the body. So we're going to go into some more detail with those. Um, <clears throat> Mouth odor, specifically, um, I was asked to address fishy breath, but there's other mouth odors that could be a cause of concern, so we'll talk about all of them. Um, they can have lots of different causes. The most common cause for a mouth odor, and it would be kind of a, a the bad smell, sort of necrotic, yucky, what we kind of call dog breath. It, the most common cause of that is dental decay, especially in older dogs. Bacteria kind of forms at the gum line, and it goes in between the gum and the root of the tooth. And there's a lot of dark tartar, hard tartar. It's just like stone that builds up there along the gum line. The gums are all inflamed and swollen, and it's very painful. It's hard for them to eat. So that that's the most common cause. Um, some of these are a little gross, but those are things that um, we can consider gross at times. If um, they have recently licked their anal glands that need to be expressed, if the anal glands are impacted and need to be expressed, one of the ways they have of addressing it, they scoot on the, the floor, but they also will lick their anal glands. That can be a fishy smell coming from the rectum. And the way to kind of tag that is, can you follow that fishy smell from the mouth all the way to the rectum? If you smell it at both ends of the dog, it's a pretty good chance that it, it is going to be an impacted anal gland. Um, Temporary stomach upset can cause that that fishy odor, and here's here's a common one: dietary indiscretion. Dogs will eat absolutely anything. One of ours is just, you know, I've always said, don't ever underestimate your dog's ability to outsmart you. You may think things are stored away and it's safe. Uh, this dog can do absolutely anything. This morning, I found a little plastic box that had had some um, mints in it that he got out of the garbage and he was just chewing away. So if they're eating garbage um, or some, some dogs will eat poop, that's called coprophagia. Uh, some dogs will eat their own vomit. So all those things can kind of cause an unpleasant odor in their mouth. Um, or there could be some more serious causes. If uh, a dog has kind of a sweet smell to their, their breath, like um, maybe like pear, or sometimes they say nail polish remover, that could be a sign of diabetes. Um, and then if their breath smells like um, ammonia, that can be a sign of kidney disease. So uh, with those smells, you do certainly want to have things checked out. But even with the most common one being the um, dental disease and just nasty teeth, uh, the dog might be in line for a dental. And, you know, once their teeth do get all 
covered in plaque and tartar and they have gum inflammation. That's kind of the, all that infection. That's kind of an open door for the bacteria to get into the bloodstream and that can cause some heart problems. So it's a good idea to be very conscious of your dog's oral health. Um, Now, odors that come from the ears, usually no dog's ears will be odorless. There's going to be some kind of odor there in the ear, but it won't be unpleasant. So causes for um, a more unpleasant odors from the ears would be allergies, and that could be allergies to food or to the environment. It could cause some... Um, swelling in the ears and some discharge and cause odor and earwax buildup. If the normal self-cleaning earwax me cleaning mechanism is upset, you can get sort of a mild odor change in the ears. It's not too serious, but it, you'll notice a difference. Um, and then foreign objects in the ears, uh, things like seeds, hair, and those are more common in the summer, but they can get in there and they can cause some inflammation that could even lead to infection. The different types of ear infections, yeast is a common one. It would smell kind of like bread baking or beer. And um, it is a, a very pronounced odor. Then bacteria, there's so many different bacteria that can grow in the ear, and they all have sort of their own little odor. So it's, the exact odor would depend upon the uh, exact mechanism. Sometimes they would smell like grapes or caramel, kind of have a, a sweet smell. It could smell like bad breath, rotten chicken, a real pungent foul odor. And um, sometimes it's so bad that you could even smell it across the room. Um, other symptoms of an ear infection, just besides the odor, you would notice that the dog would be scratching their ears, probably shaking their head, tilting their head. Sometimes if it's really bad and deep into uh, the deeper channels of the ear, they could be turning in circles and acting off balance. <clears throat> Excuse me. So since there are a lot of different types of bacteria, you would need to have, see the vet and they would um, take some of that material in the ear and do a slide and they'd know what the bacteria was or if it was yeast. And that would determine uh, how they would treat it. Now, just maintenance for healthy, clean ears. Um, regular ear cleaning is a good idea. However, you do not want to use any kind of home remedies. Um, sometimes people use vinegar or peroxide or even alcohol, which um, could really be uncomfortable for the dog. Uh, there is a really good ear cleaner. I've tried several, and one that I got from the vet, and the dogs don't object to it at all. I think it's, it's very soothing. I warm it before we use it. And it's called Duxo, D-O-U-X-O, micellar cleaner. And you can get it from Amazon or Chewy, uh, or some vets will carry it, too, in their office. 
um, the way that you would want to properly clean the dog's ears, um, use only, only a solution that's approved for cleaning, like we said, no vinegar, no peroxide, no alcohol. You want to squeeze an amount of the cleaner to fill the ear and then gently massage the base of the ear. And then for, oh, you know, maybe 30 seconds or so. Then let the dog shake his head and he will, you might want to keep him away from you while he's doing that because he'll shake out some of the cleaner and maybe some pieces of wax. And then take um, a cotton ball and just wipe out the rest of the liquid from the ear. Don't ever, ever, ever put a Q-tip down the dog's ear. If you notice that your dog has a, is drinking more, and this time of year, they are going to drink more just naturally because it's hot and it's humid. But if it's really excessive drinking and, um, you know, you found that you're filling that water bowl several times a day, that increased thirst is a, can be a sign of diabetes, Cushing's disease, um, or a low thyroid uh, tum uh, not tumor, low thyroid gland uh, function. So that's something that you need to have checked out. Uh, any of those problems, the thyroid is easily handled with just a, a tablet. But diabetes and Cushing's um, are more serious, and they need to be addressed. It never hurts to err on the side of caution. If you have a question about your dog's health or behavior, it never hurts to check it out. Um, okay, what about drooling dogs? Um, some dogs are just natural droolers, and some dogs have a breed disposition to drooling. But a sudden episode of excessive drooling uh, can mean that the dog is not feeling well, and um, you need to get to the root of the problem. Possible causes of drooling would be a foreign body in the mouth. Maybe there's some food, a piece of a toy, a, a stick, a little piece of a treat or something that is embedded in the gum, or it could be wedged behind the back teeth. That happens sometimes. And so they're in pain. Um, and drooling is one way that they have to show that. Poor dental hygiene and tooth decay could be a sign. It could uh, be indicated by drooling. More serious could be a tumor. However, if in addition to drooling, a tumor would cause the dog to probably also have bleeding from the mouth. And if you go to touch his head or a hand approaches his head or face, um, they shy away because they don't want to be touched or stroked. Um, they might have difficulty eating, and uh, you would notice some bad breath probably. Another cause of drooling is nausea. Uh, it also accompanied by um, licking their nose or the air, uh, yawning, and excessive swallowing. I don't know about you guys, but, um, you know, that excessive swallowing is like, <clears throat> I can hear that three, three blocks away. Liver disease can also cause drooling, ingesting, Poison or, or some toxic substance can cause that. Infection 
Uh, it's also an early sign of bloat. It can also be a sign of heat stroke. And dogs will drool if they're in pain. Other things that we need to be concerned about, coughing, sneezing, and gagging. Those can be signs of a heart problem, but more than likely, it would have already been diagnosed because that's an advanced heart problem. And it probably would have been picked up the early stages. I know several of our dogs have mitral valve disease that have been picked up on um, their regular vet visits and they're on medication. But, you know, that's always something that we're warned about. You know, are they coughing, sneezing? Are they gagging? And it's just something that you have to watch out for. It can be a sign of other things, too, but the heart is a common cause. If you notice any irregular breathing, if they're um, short of breath or they seem to be panting a lot, one thing that the breathing can show you, if the dog has open mouth breathing when they exhale and there's a lot of activity, instead of coming from the lungs, you notice that the abdomen is involved in exhaling. So it's kind of like, (gasps) 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 that's a sign of pain. And, you know, maybe not that dramatic, but an older dog with some arthritis in their hips, they might be just laying down and you notice that um, there's some of that open mouth breathing. If they are doing a lot of scratching, Anywhere over their body, and you notice hair loss, that can be some, especially this time of year, you know, we get hot spots and insect bites and things like that. Um, Head shaking can be a cause, can be caused by lots of different things. And if you notice a change in their behavior, any sort of anxiety, depression, lethargic behavior, fatigue, if they're trembling, um, or a disturbance of their sleep habits. Those are just all kind of things that it can indicate be subtle in their behavior, but you being with them 24-7 would be able to notice those things and have them addressed. And here's one thing, too, that I, I like to tell folks. Your vet needs to trust you as since the vet only sees the dog for a couple of hours a year, whereas you're with them 24-7. And I don't think that um, that your concern should ever be written off. And if it is, you might want to investigate looking into a different vet. A couple of other things that were asked that uh, we talk about. A change in the coat texture of your dog. Um, It can be the result of several different causes. It can indicate the low thyroid. There's a lot of things there that um, the thyroid affects. Um, It can be um, a result of some metabolic issues, especially with the liver or the kidneys, digestive issues, or parasites internal intestinal parasites or external parasites like fleas, ticks, or mites. Stress can have a negative effect on the coat. It can stem from skin conditions, which lead to uh, problems with the hair follicle, which is where the actual hair grows from. And so that could affect the, the texture. 
It can be environmental allergies, could affect the hair coat, dry, artificial heated atmosphere at homes during the winter. can be a, a big cause of some change in the dog's coat. There's a disease called brittle coat, and that needs um, a veterinary evaluation because they do some special testing with that. A common cause of changes in the coat might be dietary and would indicated would maybe be a need to change the diet. Most commercial diets um, are properly formulated to meet the dog's needs so that sometimes when people eat a lot of table scraps or might want to try to make their own dog food, they're not getting the proper nutrition that they need. So you want to stick with a good commercial dog food that is formulated for the dog's age or life stage, puppy, adult, or senior, because their needs change as the years pass. Um, an imbalanced diet, and I, when I say diet, I mean like their total intake, take, not just what they eat at meals. Imbalance comes from too many treats or table scraps. So um, a good diet should con uh, contain high ingredients in the protein, carbs, fats, minerals, and vitamins area, and an appropriate calorie content to meet the energy needs of the dog. Um, I have seven senior dogs that do a lot of sleep, and they don't use up too much energy. So we've worked really, really hard to uh, not give them too many treats because it would be real easy to get really overweight. We adopted a pug a couple of months ago who weighed almost 30 pounds, which is totally out of kilter. And just judging from his behavior, Whenever anyone's sitting at the table with food, he sits there at their feet and literally screams. So I'm thinking he ate an awful lot of table food. So far, he's lost almost three pounds. We have a couple more pounds to go, but uh, we're getting there. And he seems to be more active and happier, too, not carrying all that weight around. Uh, another thing we want to talk about is um, the nails. Cracking, breaking nails, that could have a lot of causes. Uh, breaking nails um, are often uh, due to trauma or an active lifestyle. A dog that does a lot of running, chasing, you know, I'm, I'm thinking like a sporting dog that would go hunting, chase rabbits, that kind of stuff, retrieve that waterfowl. But uh, they do a lot of digging and playing, so that can be a cause of broken nails. There is a breed disposition to some nail problems. Um, and a lot of older dogs, as they age, there will be um, increased normal nail growth, but they have to be trimmed more often when the dogs are seniors. And sometimes you'll even see seniors where the nails will kind of grow at an angle. And that is just a sign of aging. Um, allergies to food or the environment can cause nail problems. And dietary, lesser quality foods uh, or a food intolerance, a food allergy, 
um, or sometimes there'll be an inability to properly absorb the nutrition that they're given. Those things can all come through um, with nail problems. And recommended for people and dogs with nail problems in that dietary area are sup the supplements of fish oil or something called biotin, B-I-O-T-E-N, but you wouldn't want to do that unless you check with your vet first. Skin diseases can cause nail problems. There's one called uh, lipid onychodystrophy, and that's just a fancy name for um, it's an improper growth of where the nail comes from, way down deep in the nail bed. Uh, cracking nails uh, are usually due to a dog yanking away during clipping or a small jerk during clipping. Those things that it's just not a good clean uh, a clip with uh, the nail clippers. Um, brittleness can affect nails and then the nail beds when there's infection, trauma, inflammation around the nail bed. And that can also cause peeling or chipping of the nails. And more serious, but hopefully less common, uh, would be cancer in the nail bed. Um, now, one thing that when we talk about how dogs will eat anything and they're curious and they get into a lot of stuff, when you have visitors or you're visiting some, a friend, um, it's important that backpacks and purses are not left on the floor, okay? Dogs are curious, and they kind of start sniffing around purses and backpacks, which very often contain things that are toxic or dangerous. So uh, some of the things that are commonly carried in purses and backpacks that you want to be aware of that can be toxic would be hand sanitizer, uh, cigarettes, uh, or vaping uh, liquid, vape uh, supplies, asthma inhalers, any kind of human medications, whether they're over-the-counter or uh, prescriptions. Gum and mints with xylitol. Xylitol is an alcohol sugar that is very, very toxic to dogs. It will cause the the blood sugar to immediately drop and bottom out and usually is fatal. It's, uh, it started out being in gum and mints for diabetics, and then as the years progressed, it's used in more things, um, a lot of toothpaste and mouthwash, gummy vitamins. Um, that was the next step. And now there are... Um, all sorts of things. Some of your uh, less expensive peanut butters, you know, if you use Jeff or Peter Pan or Skippy, those are okay. But some of the less expensive peanut butters will use xylitol. It's even in some cosmetics. So if you have a, a hand lotion, say, that contains xylitol and it would be on your hands and the dog starts licking it, that could be enough to send him into to, um, hypoglycemia. There is a, a website. It's www.preventivevet.com. He lists about 700 commercially available products that contain xylitol. So it's really important before you have a, a product that your dog could 
get hold of that um, you're familiar with the ingredients and you know what the label says and there's no xylitol on there. Um, other things that would be in a purse or a backpack that are dangerous, dental floss. If they swallow that, it can get caught up in the stomach or the intestines. And as the process of digestion moves on through the mouth to the rectum, it can get twisted and tied up and even cause um, lacerations in the intestines. Um, coins, especially pennies after 1982, are made of zinc and not copper. And zinc is very toxic for dogs. So there are lots and lots of dangers laying in a purse. So when someone just sets their purse on the floor, it needs to be up where the dog can't get it, even in the closet. There are a few things about summer safety tips I wanted to talk about. We still have several months of warm weather, so I think it's a good idea just to remind ourselves about these things. You need to keep your dog well hydrated and make sure that there's plenty of clean, fresh water for them to drink. Um, you want to keep your dog well-groomed. Be alert for uh, parasites like fleas and ticks. But matted fur um, can decrease airflow and cause some skin problems. And then there's, there's always bites and, uh, from insects or hot spots, and you want to be aware of that. Um, when you are outside with your dog, if you can walk on the grass, that would be preferable um, because concrete and asphalt, I just have some um, examples here. When the air temperature is 87 degrees, concrete is 86 degrees, and asphalt is going to be 97 degrees. Okay, that's not too bad, but the temperature, like what we're going to be experiencing this week, I just was listening to the weather on the news. When air temperature is 92, concrete is 114, and asphalt is 130 degrees. At 125, skin burns and deteriorates. So when you, if you're going to be out with your dog and you do need to walk on concrete or asphalt, Put your hand down on the concrete, and if you can hold it there for seven seconds, then it's safe for your dog. If you cannot tolerate seven seconds on that surface, then it's too hot for your dog. Um, another danger for our freshly fertilized lawns, the um, fertilizer chemicals that they use can cause irritation in the paws. The dog licks the paws. Now they've got irritation in the mouth and throat, and some of those things um, are toxic, especially snail bait and rodent poison. Those are fatal for dogs. Um, you might want to consider using sunscreen on your dog for the bridge of their nose, their ear tips, and their belly. You can use a veterinary sunscreen or uh, a product that's developed for children, but you want to have uh, SPF of at least 15 
with no panna or zinc oxide as ingredients. We really appreciate that, that you have spent time with us this evening. Page three. And also, we're going to do two things. This is the fourth, well, the last Friday of the month, taking the place of the fourth Friday since we weren't here on the fourth Friday. So this will be Paige Turner's night. But also we're going to talk about if, if there were things that you liked or didn't like, what you thought was interesting or uh, what you wished you'd been able to participate in, whatever, about the convention the last couple of weeks. It'd be interesting to know all the different things that people participated in because there certainly was enough choice. Something like 166 sessions you could pick from. So I'll bet we weren't all in the same one. <laughs> I think just my, my general statement about convention would be that there never is a convention that doesn't have so much to do that you're worn out at the end and you look back and you say, gosh, I couldn't do everything. Would anybody like to begin and tell us that you found interesting or what you did at the convention? Who would like to start? Can we get Deanna a microphone? Let's see, Friday I, Friday of the 16th, I turned on the exhibit channel, and I think I turned it off the next Friday night before it was Saturday morning. Oh. Um, I left most of the time. It was on one Alexa, and then I had um, another device, and I would either I would listen to general session. I took it to work with me and turned it on in the background and listened to general session. And that was really fun. Didn't do a whole lot of Zoom calls. I just listened mostly. Uh, I found lots of money that I want, uh, lots of things I could spend money for. Um, learned a lot in general session. It was just nice to see how, I know that there were a lot of things going on in the background, but it was just, Sometimes it was nice to see how smoothly things were going. And there were there were glitches, of course, but they were covered well. I feel like I know Tony Stevens a lot better. Um, heard him a lot. And Did you hear him play his guitar? Yeah, one time. <laughs> Very fun to have it. Um, if, I don't go to, if I ever miss a convention, which I probably will, I won't because I'll have it on just like I did this time. This was even more than last year, and I didn't think I could have it on any more than I did last year, but I did. What was your favorite section or segment? Or My favorite was, huh, I really liked the Jackbox thing, and I really liked, I liked listening in the mornings and in the evening to the, to the ACB Connect. Just sometimes they would have, you know, kind of run down the day in the morning about what was gonna happen and stuff. Um, Patty jumped on with the mini mall a lot. That was fun. Um, so I don't know. I just enjoyed. I just enjoyed it all. I really did. And, oh, and I tell you what. The Saturday IAC stuff. The the uh, technology Saturday sessions were. I, I enjoyed those a lot. So I guess that's my favorite. For my convention um, on Friday. I started out because I was hosting the um, conversation with the seeing eye, and that was actually more interesting than I thought it would be. I really enjoyed the Mammoth Cave tour on Friday. I was a panelist on the 
library users, the virtual book club, book club thing. Yeah. Um, and that was fun because I got to learn about different book clubs. And then that night I went to the J.P. Morgan, um, what was supposed to be the reception. And that was kind of fun because it was basically just a social time with like Dan Spoon and Eric Bridges and stuff like that. I really enjoyed the Leadership Institute thing that I had to go to on Saturday. I didn't think I was going to like it when I was assigned hosting because I thought it was going to be kind of boring, but um, I hosted the CCLVI um, showcase on that Sunday, and that was actually really fun. And then, of course, I went to the Lions, whatever, um, yeah. the Millie's Place. The Millie's Place? Yeah, mm -hmm. and um, that was fun. I did not buy anything at the auction. Um, I listened to it, and you almost did. I almost did, but I, I didn't. You. I was really busy um, at this convention, and um, it was it was really fun because I did a lot of things that I would not normally do. I'm going to be one of the ones that are going to be doing quite a bit of uh, catching up to the podcast since I worked all week last week. But uh, the, 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 I was able to go to the. Helen Keller presentation that Mike Cutson did. He did a very wonderful job like, like he always does. He, he's always done well and I did the uh, Millie's Place and, uh, and and the main thing I'd have to say overall, and this is the main reason I actually decided I'd open my mouth, is the fact that I was able to get on the, and, and, and vote for um, the different offices that came up for election. Uh, you know, it's it's never been done until now for all of the membership it used to be you had to go to conventions if you wanted your vote to actually be you know count individual vote wise anyway like joey uh unfortunately i worked uh most of last week so i'm going to be catching up a lot on podcasting myself but um went to the uh well listened to a little bit of the uh board meeting on friday and um like Joey, I was also glad and I hope they continue it uh, in the future to where we'll be able to, if we can't go, that we'll be able to vote because I really liked it. And I like the timing because it usually fell during my lunch. It was like, I don't know, 11 something to like 1 or one fifteen or something. So, you know, I was able to take care of it during lunch and it was great. I mean, I wish... Uh, our elected officials here would take a note because I mean if you just clicked on the link and sign you know put your code in and then check whatever candidate you wanted I mean it took probably less than a minute to vote so um, it was all you know very accessible and very easy to do so that was one of my favorite things of the con convention is being able to vote I went to several other things I went to the uh, CCLVI uh, showcase on Sunday and um, seems like every day I was listening to something. Uh, every once in a while I was listening to two different things. I think on Thursday I was listening to AFB and something else and Bill's like, how can you do that? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. It's kind of, can be challenging. And I went to, the, you know, most of the lion stuff I think I got to. So it was a good convention. It's kind of funny because it's like we talk about it and now it's gone and I already passed it. This year's just going by so quickly. I, I enjoyed the convention. Some of it I listened to on ACB radio. Some of it I listened to on Zoom. I still, actually me and Brenda both, we still had a, a little problem with voting. I don't know why I called them the office and they, you know, they checked my code. It was right. 
Part of it would let me vote, part of it wouldn't. I don't know. They couldn't figure out what was wrong with it. I enjoyed the Helen Keller thing and the, the desegregation thing. Uh, I enjoyed the, the general sessions uh, every day. And uh, actually, I don't know of anything I really didn't enjoy about it. And it was just, I thought it was pretty, you know, all, all around pretty good convention myself. I didn't. I didn't know your your last name got changed, Carla. Did you hear the newspaper? The what? Your, oh your, no! What happened? Uh, it, it, yeah. She was talking about you know when you give your phone number. She uh, told you Carla Rushkable. 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 Yeah. I'm surprised it wasn't Rushkable. <laughs> I, I, I told Brenda. I said you didn't change your name. Glad you enjoyed it, Kendall. Yeah, sure Hope did. Brenda did too. Oh, there's David. This is David. Oh, David. Yeah. Uh, a couple of people have already mentioned voting, so but I would just like to reiterate how empowering it was to be able to sit at your kitchen table and vote. <laughs> I uh, know. Uh, that was great. Eat your donuts. <laughs> I really uh, enjoyed the Lions presentation by Mike Hudson and uh, the Mammoth Cave presentation. Uh, I didn't get to hear any of the tours, so uh, hopefully I can catch a couple of those on podcast. I know some of them aren't going to be, but hopefully there will be a couple on there. But overall, I think it was a wonderful convention. Sounds like Mike Hudson's getting a lot of good reviews here. <laughs> yeah, so this is Deb, uh -huh. and uh, I really liked voting. It was easy. I did it on the phone. I had no trouble. And I don't think I missed any of the votes. I like the Mammoth Cave in Mount Rushmore and uh, the uh, Smithsonian flag uh, tour. That was good. I did a lot of the guide dog stuff, uh, caught up on what the different schools are doing. and Most of them have had smaller classes because of COVID, but they've Pretty much everybody's back to having classes again, but they are smaller. But who knows now when, since it's COVID seems to be kicking up again. Oh, I, a lot of the diabetic sessions, they were good. And I didn't really learn much there. I guess I've read enough and dealt with this enough that wasn't much <clears throat> that I hadn't heard before. But it was good information. And I really enjoyed Jack Fox and, and Jill Fox. They, that was that was relaxing. That was fun. That was fun. It was good to have something that you weren't learning much about. You were just enjoying. That was fun. <laughs> the gen I didn't miss any of the general <coughs> sessions. They were all good, too. This is Alan. I really liked the games at the convention. Uh, I really liked the Family Feud game. Good. The only thing I wish that's different, that would be different, and I, this is an ACB media thing, I wish there was an easy way to switch channels once you were in ACB media, and you didn't have to go, Alexa, stop, and then say, yeah. Alexa, open ACB media. Yeah. Alexa, and then it, it has to say, she has to say all the things you can do. I already know that. I just wanted to listen to ACB media for. One of the things that I really liked was the um, presentation by... Mike Hudson and the panel dealing with desegregation of schools for the blind in the country. 
the Kentucky School for the Blind here was the first school for the blind to desegregate uh, back in uh, 1955 uh, in September starting that year and of course the court decision was Supreme Court in 54 so in other words it's just uh, the very next school year KSB was started that and Kenny Jones um, from uh, KSB graduated there uh, and also was a teacher there uh, was on the panel and then also we had Jan Williams uh, who uh, went um, to the school for the blacks before desegregation and then for a year I think it was afterward so she could really talk about the change and then there were several uh, other people uh, that were involved now also liked the roll call at the beginning of the uh, conference on Sunday night. They pre-recorded all the uh, affiliates uh, and each affiliate was asked to say something unusual or whatever about their state and some of those things were pretty funny. I liked a lot of the stuff that went on. Anybody else? Okay. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club, and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Soundprints. Have a great week, everybody.